Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I was going to say, like, the whole point of Star Wars is to get him to shoot those freaking things to kill the Death Star. You took that the whole design of that movie. I'm a little... Things didn't go the way you thought. No, I'm just a little... (laughs) Stallone's playing soccer? Yeah. What's going on? I'm watching this. I saw that at a very young age, and I didn't... You're coming at me hard. I'm not coming at you hard. Yeah, you are. I just don't believe her choices. Her choices are ridiculous. Give me me an emotion. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. What's up? Nothing. He's got a whole bunch of a gaggle of geese. Gaggle. And uh, I'm going to fly him away home. Oh, how nice. How nice. <laughs> yes, we're family friendly this week on uh, Forgotten Cinemas. We're doing the 1996 film Fly Away Home. Before we get into those facts, I guess I will give you the synopsis. After Amy loses her mother in a car accident, she must uproot her life and move to Canada to live with her father, Thomas, an oddball inventor with whom she has no relationship. She initially struggles. I don't know why I'm laughing. She initially <laughs> struggles to find her place in her new home. But things change when she stumbles upon a collection of abandoned goose eggs. When the eggs hatch, Amy and her dad work together, teaching the motherless birds to fly south for the winter and their relationship blooms. That'd be blossoms. I guess blooms. All right. This is Fly Away Home. That's what we're doing this week. Kids film. Butler likes to do one kid film a season, right? That's I I do. I do. Uh, I'm not so keen on that. We don't always get that. I don't think we did one last year. Or last season, rather. Well, I'd have to look, but I'm not sure. But right. you, you may be you may be accurate in that assumption. Yes, I don't. I mean, I don't think we need to do a kids film every year, but it's nice. Well, we season, always talk I mean. about doing something like doing stuff on the podcast that everyone else isn't doing. Fly Away Home is a runtime of 107 minutes. It's rated PG. Production budget of 22 million dollars. It came out on September 13th, 1996. That is a Friday. It's opening weekend. It did 4.7 million dollars domestic, 25 million, and then worldwide, 36.5 million. Now. When you're on IMDb Pro, that worldwide number is 25, like domestic. And we've had this discussion before whether they're really adding those up. Right. When you're on uh, Wikipedia, it gives you the 36.5 million. So don't quote me on all those stuff. Uh, well, I know I read that it did way know. more on video. Right. The note, the note that it. I have that the movie was more successful in, on video than on home video than the theaters. It made $32 million on video, which was 75% of the revenue. Um, so I think it's a, one of those movies that it's a kid's film. And if it's a good kid's film, you're going to buy it for the kids to watch at home. And right. All that stuff. Yeah. Uh, obviously back then, this is the yeah, before streamers BS before streamers <laughs> production company was Columbia pictures, sand dollar and the soul 
Zance Film Center. Apologize if I said the name wrong. Distributed by Columbia Theatrically. But if you watched this as I did, Butler, um, you noticed that Sony Pictures releasing was on the front of the film. I believe yes. they took over DVD and Blu-ray distribution in 2009. So that's why you see that. Okay. But initially, initially Columbia was a the, the, the distributed theatrically. Uh, so the 13th of September, it went up against Maximum Risk, The Rich Man's Wife, Feeling Minnesota, the uh, Keanu Reeves movie, and then in the limited release, Grace of My Heart and American Buffalo. Did you see any of those films? The Keanu Reeves one seems like I think I might have seen parts of that on like HBO or something. Right. I but think it was with Cameron funny. Diaz, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Sorry. On the 20th, you had the week after you had Last Man Standing. That's the uh, Bruce Willis kind of Western Walter Hill film, I believe. Uh, the first Wives Club and then a limited release Big Night, which I love and surviving Picasso. Big Night has awesome. If you have not seen Big Night, you should. It's with, uh, Stanley Tucci and. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Plays Monk. Tony Shalhoub. Yes. God damn. I can't, I can't remember things anymore. And Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> September 6th, the week before, we had Bulletproof, Bogus, and the Spitfire Grill in a limited release, Sweet Nothing. So not a lot. It's September. So you, like we've talked about this before. Dump uh, month. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's the best <laughs> way to describe it. Uh, this movie was directed by Carol Ballard. He did. Uh, he. I uh, was nominated for an Oscar for the short film Harvest. He's also done the Black Stallion and the Matthew Modine, Jennifer Grey action movie Wind uh, Racing. <laughs> uh, screenplay by Robert Rodat and um, Vince McEwen. Rodat did Saving Private Ryan. He actually was nominated for an Oscar. He also did The Patriot and the TV show Falling Skies. I never got into that. Did you? Falling Skies? No, my father loves Falling yeah. Skies, but I never watched it. You know, he did The Replacements and A Hero's Climb. This is based on an autobiography written by William Lishman. Uh, this is not the the aspect of the daughter is not in the book. This is basically just what Lishman, him and his a buddy of his, he he brought birds south. Yeah, pretty much the the whole thing about migrating birds south with the help of the airplane, all that stuff that is in the movie. That, that I don't want to say technical details, but but the science, I guess, to it, or the migratory science is in the book. Is the, what? Yeah, is, they yeah. took that and they used yeah. that as the basis. Used, exactly. Cinematography by Caleb Deschanel. He is nominated for an Oscar for The Right Stuff, The Natural, The Patriot, and The Passion of the Christ. Uh, he is a uh, world-renowned cinematographer, so those are just a few of his movies. Composer by Mark Isham. He has been nominated for an Oscar for A River Runs Through It. He's also done The Hitcher and Quiz Show, just to name a few. He's also another very successful composer. Edited by Nicholas C. Smith, who has done PCU, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and upcoming Pixar film Turning Red. Produced by Carol Baum and John uh, Vetch. Uh, Baum did Father of the Bride. Actually, both Father of the Brides, the, the Steve Martin uh, one and two. He's also done IQ and Snow Falling on Cedars. And then Vetch has done Suspect and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, to name a few. Uh, Jeff Daniels plays Thomas Alden, the dad. Now, I know everyone knows Jeff Daniels from the newer stuff, Newsroom and stuff like that. Um, and uh, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb, what was Dumb and Dumber 2? Or Dumber or something? Dumb, Dumb and Dumber. Dumber yeah. yeah. But he's also, just to give you kind of some of his early work, he's been in terms of endearment, heartburn, and obviously speed. Anna Paquin as Amy Alden, as Oscar award winner. Anna mm-hmm. Paquin, do you think people know that still? You think? I don't think people know that, yeah. yeah. So she won an Oscar when she was uh, younger than she is in this movie uh, for the piano. Uh, she's also in the TV show True Blood, and she's in the new movie American Underdog. Uh, Dana Delaney as Susan Barnes. She's in, known for the TV show China Beach, Desperate Housewives, and the movie Tombstone. Terry Kinney is David Alden. He is Jeff Daniels in the movie. He's uh, 
Thomas Alden's brother, I believe. And Dana mm-hmm. Delaney is Thomas Alden's girlfriend. Uh, he is from uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, a movie we did uh, way back when. He's also in Sleepers. And he's in the TV show Billions, which I have just gotten into. And it's fantastic. So obviously, I will always pump the stuff I watch. Butler has not yet. I don't know if Butler would be into it. He might be. I think he would like it. I like Paul Giamatti. Yeah. And Damian Lewis. And Damian Lewis, yeah. yeah. Holter Graham as Barry Strickland. He's from Maximum Overdrive and Small Time. He is the uh, the kid the kid that helps him out. He's the guy that does the hang gliding stuff with him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeremy Ratchford as Glenn Seifert. He's from Unforgiven, Leatherheads, and the TV show Cold Case. He's the evil game warden in this movie. <laughs> we'll get to that. And then David Hemblin as Doctor Killian, the gentleman who owns the property or is part of the conservationist movement in North right. Carolina that says he need to land on this lake in order to get it. He's actually in the 2002 rollerball. He's also in the sweet hereafter and the TV show earth final conflict. Another sci-fi show I could not get into. That was a bad was it? show. A lot of episodes, a lot of episodes for a bad show. Cause that was one of the ones where they were taking Gene Roddenberry stuff and trying to syndicate it. You're right. So they You're were right. like, it doesn't matter. Just put it as much. We need to get to hundred episodes. We can syndicate yeah. that right. and Andromeda. The Andromeda was at least fun. Mm-hmm. Earth Final Conflict was trying to be this drama that was just bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you were about eight years old when this came out, correct? Correct. Yeah. Eight or nine. Was, yeah. Did you watch it in theaters? No, I watched it. I can't remember if I watched it like in school, like it was right before Christmas. And they were just like, here's the thing. Put this on. Uh, Tessa over. Or if I watched it at home because my parents rented it. Mm-hmm. But I was very young when I watched it. I only watched it the one time. I put it on the list because... I remember enjoying it and I watched it. And then Elise, I guess, my fiance, she was telling me a few months ago that she actually had a movie theater birthday party because we were talking about how I had one for Godzilla back in the day. And she did one for Fly Away Home, I guess. And she has really fond memories of it, really liked the movie. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't really remember much of the movie other than I liked it. And it had the birds and the, the plane. I remember the basic plot, but I honestly don't remember much of this movie at all. There were so many aspects. I was just like, Oh, I don't remember that this was this or this happened. Right. Or, well, yeah. cool. Well, before we get into it, uh, I you know how I like to play Name That Oscar Winner, Butler. So <laughs> cue, cue the music. Here we go. This movie was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Cinematography by Caleb Deschanel, but he did not win. And now, Butler, I will give you the nominees. <laughs> and you will tell me who won. This is becoming a bit now. Dar- <laughs> Darius Kanji for Evita. Roger Deakins for Fargo. John Seal for The English Patient, and Chris Mengis for Michael Collins. Who won the Oscar for Best Cinematography that year? I think it's the 69th Annual Oscars. Should have been Deacons. I'm going to go with uh, Michael Collins. You are incorrect. It's John Seal for The English Patient. Ah, All right. But that was a good guess. Deacons would Deacons eventually win. Deacons didn't win until way later, right? Yeah. Because when he won, it was a big deal. Fargo, Fargo won for, I believe Fargo won for writing. And I think she won uh, supporting, didn't I, she? I believe she yeah. won, yeah. Uh, when I say she, I mean uh, Francis McDormand. Pardon me. Uh, it's a great film. It's also a great TV show. All right, so. I still got to watch. So that, that ends that game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although the cinematography is really nice in this film. In this movie? Yeah. It's tough with older films because they're not clearer. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have like a 4K right, version of it. Bit. So it's very difficult to discern that but yes it uh, it's got a lot of nice exteriors got ni- it, it looks nice the aerial shots are nice the aerial shots are especially toward the end mm-hmm. which I, I think they do really drag that a little too long when they're flying when they're coming toward back toward it, it's like are they there yet how did she see them it, I, but there yeah. are some really like because that's pre-drone and i always have an admiration for shots that now could be done easily by drone but were obviously done by helicopter and it's very smooth 
overhead shots. Yeah. I really enjoy those in older movies. No, I, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I agree. This movie also could have used maybe 10 minute shave instead of it being 107 minutes, maybe like around more close to 90. I agree. 97 minutes. It, it, it did feel a little long. Well, we could probably get into how they could have cut it down. Sure. Well, okay. Well, why don't we get into maybe where you want to start off here? What you well, go ahead. I, I enjoyed this movie. I was clearly going to enjoy this movie. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious. You came in thinking this was going to be a terrible, like with, with very <laughs> I wasn't excited. I, you yeah. weren't excited. I was pretty sure you were going to loathe this movie. But when I was watching, I was like, oh, maybe you won't. Cause there's a lot more in this than I thought. It wasn't just about geese. So I'm very curious. What did you think about this movie? It's fine. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I, I mean, it's a movie that maybe, you know, I'd have the kids watch or something like that. Right. I think that would, that wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. It's not a, ter- we talk about kids movies all the time and, you know, we've seen them done really well. So it's really difficult to judge other kids movies not done well, but I, I think you have to. And I, I think this is, this is done well. I, I, it's, I think we talked about this briefly uh, before uh, the podcast uh, when you have animals in the film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't you just don't want to see animals start dying off in the film. Like, I can't. Right. You know what? I hate that, especially dogs. Uh, so it's just there is that hesitation. I already seen it. So I kind of knew. But I did forget a lot about. Yeah. OK. It. I didn't. Oh, you. So you had seen it before. Oh, yeah. No, okay. no, no. I've seen it. I don't know. This was so 96. I started working at the fourplex, the movie theater in 93. And there was a good chunk of time where I would just watch whatever came out. Right. So this was probably one of those movies. I just it was on. We probably had it and I watched it either as a screening or um, just, or after yeah, something like that. Something like that. I, I, for some, I just probably got to it. Gotcha. Uh, but no, I did watch it and I, I was fine with it back then. And even now, um, like I said, I, there was always some hesitation with animals in the films because I just don't want to see it. You yeah, know, nobody needs that. You know, listen, I know I love film and we all love movies, but there's just some things you just don't need to see and you don't want to see because you just don't, it's just too, it's a bummer. It is a bummer. Yeah. You know, so I, and and I know they did a little bit of that in the movie with Igor with the with the pet with the when she hits him with the, with the goose. goose hitting it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, but, you know, I, I think there is no I know they try to in this movie. I guess my one comment would be. It feels more like a biopic than anything else, not really a plot driven movie, more of a character driven piece, because they try to put the game warden in there as the right. bad guy. But it's just so forced and it feels so just like, what? Why? I have the same note. Yeah. He comes off as like this nice guy who has like these right opinions on things. And then even his goose opinion isn't wrong. Right. Uh, but they have to paint him as this villain for no reason other than to give the film a villain. Yeah. He's so like the audacity when you first meet him and he goes over the house to just be like, yeah, you just got to clip him. And he takes the nails clip. And, he, and the audacity, you're in somebody else's house. Yeah. And you're just going to start clipping the wings off a of geese. What do you think's going to happen? They're obviously going to get. They're going to get pissed. Yeah. 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 You didn't I, consult the little girl who's with the geese who clearly loves the geese. Yeah. You're not putting down any kind of tarp or anything. First of all, even if you did, there's going to be blood all over the living room. Right. Like, it's just so stupid. And then you take it upon yourself towards the end of the movie to kidnap them for to, for what? Oh, which has to be some sort of illegal. Yeah. You're trespassing. Even if you have a warrant, you have to, you have to show the warrant. Yeah. So it, I know you want to put that in there because you want that drama. You want that. I mean, it's a nice scene when she escapes and they take the geese and all the kids look up and like, oh, that's Amy. Oh, cool. And all yeah. I'm thinking like, how do you know that's Amy? She has probably never said we've never had a scene where she talks to you about what she's doing with her father. Well, that's Amy all of a sudden. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it, it, 
it, it just didn't fit. It, it felt like it was forced in there. It felt like they were trying to put some kind of dramatic element to the, like, oh my God, are they not going to Right, escape? which like you said, it's a biopic. So it's like, you're there to watch Amy and her dad succeed. Mm-hmm. You don't need the villain story. And I think that's where you can shave off some of your 10 minutes right there. The flying, when they're traveling down, I think, yes, you can well, shave that goes that too long. But I mean, the whole villain just cut him out. Yeah, there's really, yeah. He's unnecessary. Problem is that we, we talk about how it's a biopic, but these, uh, Amy doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> it's really just about Lishman's work, the writer of the autobiography, and they just took that and they made they wrapped the movie around it, which is completely fine. Right. So and and that and I have no nothing I have nothing against that. I kind of prefer that because you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to be like, oh, you don't read about where it's different. You're kind of like disappointed that things are different. In mm-hmm. this case, it's there's nothing to be mad about. There's mm-hmm. nothing they changed. Yeah. And the whole stuff with the hunters when they. St- when they fly in and the, uh, and the hunters start shooting at the geese. Yeah, that was clearly them trying to make a point because yes. it never really developed into a plot. Yeah, and they didn't, yeah, they didn't, they showed enough where they were just like, yeah, this is what birds have to deal with. But they didn't keep going to, to the fact that they land in the water. They're still going to shoot at them. Like, you know, yeah, I was wondering when they stopped and they were safe. I was like, does this state have a law where it's got to be geese in flight or the only mm-hmm. one you can shoot? Yeah. This movie originally was given a G rating. And the producers thought that young adults wouldn't want to watch the movie because it was G, which is a good, which is a good thought. They wouldn't. Right. Um, so they added a deleted scene where he, Daniels uses a non-sexual curse word and got a PG rating. What scene was that? Because I couldn't remember. Uh, he says, God damn it, or something like that. One of the hunters says, of, has holy says, shit. Yeah. Which they did cut. Um, they but cut. It, it's in my it, movie. It's in the theatrical cut. And then they cut it off of vhs and they brought it back in 2001 i think for the blue or the dvd oh, the yeah so the vhs copy doesn't have that hunter scene that hunter ah, shot where he says wait, holy shit yeah well, this movie uh is came out on blu-ray in 2009 april 2009 so it is out there on blu-ray um i don't think we both watched it i don't think we own it uh <laughs> but they were right that it needed to be pg g would g scares people away that's theatrically yeah but also like regular kids though your parents are the ones getting you this film they're not gonna care about the rating no, but I, I can see yeah, I teenagers like 13, 14 year olds walking in the theater aren't going to watch anything G. Mm-hmm. Except maybe Pixar. <laughs> well, Cars was Pixar. G. The first yeah, Cars was Pixar. G. That's yeah. what I say, except for Pixar, because everyone just watches Pixar movies. So you liked the cinematography. You liked how it looked. I did. I thought the cinematography What did, was what did you think? Of, we we kind of just did talk about the overall pacing of the film. I think the pacing is okay. I mean, I never really got bored, but at the same time, like you said, you cut 10 minutes. There were parts where I, I thought, you know, while I really like all the cinematography that went into the shots of the geese arriving at their, you know, uh, winter location down south, I thought the arrival was a little stretched out too far. Like, obviously, they earned it. They they succeeded. But I was just like, these are really pretty shots. But they were clearly like, we don't know what which one we like better. So they just kept them all. Well, the Toronto, well, that wasn't Toronto. It's supposed to be Maryland, but they shot it in Toronto when they, they appear downtown. I like that shot. But that's all that's CGI. That's all CGI, yeah. but I think it's really cool because it's such a contrast for the rest of the film, which is very rural, very much like just open fields, and all of a sudden you get just city hitting you. So I, I like that stuff. I just thought it was a little drawn out a little too long. You know, I, I don't remember them making the whole flight. What I thought happened was, they get them started down south, and that was the end of it. I didn't remember them going all the way south with them. I, I mean, I know this is the movie, so I, I don't know if you know this in terms of the experiments in real life, but they only need to do it once? No, it took them years to get it done. For the same flock? For the I don't know if it's the same flock, 
but I think it, the note I read said they started in like the late 80s and didn't finish until the successful trip was 1993, I believe. Okay. So I looked into it a little bit because I thought it was really interesting. Um, but it did take that guy a few years to do it. It wasn't just like, I wonder, let me do this. It took a lot of study and practice and preparation. Right. Lishman actually uh, was the stunt double for the flying sequence. So he was Jeff Daniels stunt double. So he would he'd fly the, in the aircraft. That was pretty cool. And he also created the sculptures that are in Alden's house. Like I think all those little ones. All the little dragons and stuff. Yeah. The dragon was kind of cool. I like the dragon sculpture. Yeah. They're real scary. <laughs> so I thought that was that was cool that that, that he kind of was involved involved or he produced the film. I didn't have his I didn't have his name in the producers, but I wonder if you know he had his name on there and got got some money or something like that. Yeah, it gives him attention, and he's got like three documentaries out about him. I read that's true, right? I think the doc is on the DVD, right? Or it was released. Two of them are on the DVD. Yeah, one of them is an HBO documentary, so I would wonder if you can still get that on HBO Max right now. Maybe. Well, you didn't watch this on HBO Max. You had to rent it. I had to rent it. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought this was streaming, but I guess not. No. Well, technically it is. It's just VOD streaming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you notice the homage to Andrew Wyatt's painting, Christina's World? No, but I read about it. Okay. Like, when she's sitting down in the field. Did you read about Wyatt and Christ- in the subject of Christina's World and all I, that stuff? I did not. So I guess. So it's it's the scene when Amy's in the field, and if you if you've seen you've probably seen the painting before because when you see the image, yeah. you're like that looks very familiar. And the image is the same setup where the house is up on the upper right, and the Christina in the painting is in the field of grass, and she's kind of laying down, moving towards the, looking towards the house. Mm-hmm. So I guess that supposedly his, and I I read this briefly his. Uh, Wyatt's inspiration was uh, like two families down where he lived, like either Kansas or Kentucky or something like that. And one of the families, this Christina, she was she had a disorder where she couldn't walk. She and so supposedly that's her dragging herself to the house, and that's Whoa. what right. And I guess there's just like big controversy the fact that he had made all this money off of somebody who was disabled, his family was disabled, but he was. He was trying to give them money. They wouldn't accept it. She didn't want it. Like they had a really close relationship when Wyatt when Wyatt passed away. He wanted to be buried with her. Really, like he was married, but like he they were such good friends. So it's it's fascinating if you dive into the painting and and, and Andrew Wyatt's career and all that stuff. It was just like his because his I guess his paintings are considered now everyone I guess loves them them great, but back then people hated them. They thought they were dumb. They thought they were out of touch. Um, dumb is probably not the good word, but they thought they're out of touch. A regular Edgar Allan Poe, exactly. Vincent Van Gogh. But that's uh, <laughs> but that I thought that was fascinating that that whole aspect of Wyatt's painting career and Christina's world and all that, that stuff. Because I just yeah, yeah that's she's laying down looking at the house. But yeah, that, they named the disorder in the article, and it, it, so it was something I never heard. But it, it, it basically she had trouble walking, and that was um, oof. Wow. <laughs> so I thought that was. Knowing that now and looking at that painting, and you look at it, you're just like, this painting is completely different now. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Keep keep walking, keep going. Yeah, this painting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the original film title for this movie was Flying Wild? I did know that. Yeah, that's weird. I don't like they change and they changed that. They that was Flying minute. Wild, yeah, up to the point upon release that. If you watch certain trailers on other films, on like their DVD packets or, or actually their yeah, VHS Jumanji packets. Jumanji on VHS says yeah, Wild. They actually have that. I guess in some countries, the movie's called Father Goose. Oh, really? Which I hate. That's stupid. And a Paquin's not is the main character. It's not even, it's not really Jeff Daniels' movie either. Mm. It's, 
I just think it's a bad title. Well, let's talk about their performances. What did you think of? Uh, I get. What did you think of both leads? And I guess maybe their their chemistry together as father daughter. What did you think? I thought it was very strange to have the movie star be a New Zealand girl who moves to Canada. I thought that was an odd choice. Um, well, she has the accent. She that's has why. the accent and everything. But I guess Anna Paquin did grow up in New Zealand. Yes, so, she was. She grew which up I didn't realize. Yeah. I kept. I always thought she was just. No, American she moved. Canadian, she was so. born in Canada, in Montreal, and, or something. And moved to New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. So she she already had the accent. So she probably couldn't get rid of the accent. This is probably why they so did that. When I first watched it, I thought that was very strange. Now you're adding, you have to make this little girl give a, a performance, but also an accent at the same time. Mm-hmm. And while I'm watching it, I go, she does a pretty good job with the accent. And then I learned later that it, that's actually her accent. Do you think she's lost the accent? Or do you think that that's everything you've seen her in is, uh, is just... I think she's probably lost it. Yeah, it so if seems she moved that. over to like Hollywood, but she was from Canada originally. Correct. She's yeah. probably, as long as she's not around other people from New Zealand, she probably lost it. Um, but I'm sure if she went back to New Zealand, it would probably pick up like right away. Did you like her performance? I did. I thought it was pretty good. I liked that it wasn't so mopey all the time. I thought it was pretty realistic. Um, she'd have a couple scenes where she kind of went crazy for no reason. Well, she's but screaming. She's, a, you know, she's screaming, but she's a teenage girl. So I guess that's par for the course. I mean, that's more like your kind of experience on dealing with uh, daughters. Who they've never screamed for like 20 minutes 20 straight minutes. for some stuff. <laughs> Uh, but they do get angry and walk away. Uh, uh, but I thought it was good. And I thought their relation. Uh, Jeff Daniels, I think, is a phenomenal actor. He doesn't get enough credit. So I thought his performance was obviously really good. And I did enjoy their chemistry together. I enjoyed that it wasn't so much like an I instantly hate you. Right. Kind of a thing. It's just I don't want to be here. It's not that I hate you. It's I hate the situation. They don't do a lot with any kind of discussion about them as father daughter trying to reconnect they do kind of, he has that conversation with dana delaney the the his girlfriend uh, susan about how he hasn't been in her life he doesn't have any right she's like no you're here that's that's you know you're you're part of it now like, yeah you can't get out yeah but they never really do anything with the two of them it's just they speak to each other through the birds which i'm fine with i am but like i don't know if if you wanted something else in there do you really in real life would you have this big epic monologue and the sweeping music with the, the you no, 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 I'm not looking for that. You'd have more of a bonding through something, finding something, and then that's how you bond together. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for that. I get, yeah. I'm looking for just maybe two or three lines where, you know, it's just reference. She does call him daddy at some point, you know, like, you know, like she does start of, to kind of like right, get, into get it. it. Yeah. They don't really, they don't really hammer it home, which is fine. I just maybe wanted a little bit more, but that's not, it's just, that's just me. I mean, I think you get a little bit of that connection once because she thinks, I think she thinks during the film, and this is just me kind of what I'm getting from it. They don't explicitly say it. She thinks he doesn't care about her. Right. And you get that. You finally get a little bit of connection when she crashes the plane. And he's like on top of her kissing her going, oh, my God, are you OK? I'm right, so glad you're right. okay. And she sees you're crying. And she gets so happy that he's crying because she he cares about her. Mm-hmm. And then from then on, it's like, I knew you could figure it out. Like, she's a lot more into his plan she's a lot more like father daughter go team go because that's what uh, yeah. she needed and then she gets you get that moment you in do the, i was just thinking old about lady's it. house where they talk they talk about why'd you leave that kind of stuff no i you're right there that is there you know they're two artists and they just couldn't coexist right which which i understand uh you're right so that there is that part there i forgot about that part we're probably gonna have to talk about this because this comes up every time anyone talks about this film which is so ridiculous the squid in the whale? yes 
Like they're actors. It's what, I mean, it is awkward. It's awkward. Oh, yeah. But nine years later, Jeff Daniels and Anna Paquin are in a movie called The Squid and the Whale. And in that film, I think he's a professor and she's a student. She seduces him. They have they have a sex scene. So it's always brought up when you watch this film. But and I understand. But I also you have to understand that they're actors and actresses. And this is what they do. And even though you're watching on, on scene, the sex scene, and maybe steamy for you and you may like it. It's not like that when they're shooting it. There's like <laughs> eight people standing in the room, like hanging out and just it's very technical. It's not it's not what you see. So but everybody always brings that up because they think it's funny and I get it. I understand the humor. But on the other hand, who cares? I like his I like his uh, line when somebody was asked, what do you do during the sex scene? Just try not to think about geese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you know, they're professionals, and that's I'm glad they got through it. And they're not really father and daughter, uh, so it doesn't. Really not happen. in the in the squ- yeah in real life, yes, yeah. yeah. In the squ- but I, I do the director, and I'm blanking on his name. Uh, when they first, I think it was Noah Baumbach. It's Noah Baumbach, yeah. When they oh before they started the scene, he he ma- does make the announcement, and now father and daughter from uh, the, Flyway Home will now have a second. Like he does say that. It's like I get what you're trying to do there, dude, but man, babe, probably don't do that. <laughs> It's not going to help their performance. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's, yeah. I always think of, do you remember watching Project Greenlight? I think we've talked about this. The guy that was directing one of their movies, he was, it was the first season, was it the first season or second season? Maybe third. And they're setting up a shot and the director's like, because Project Greenlight was like this, it was like a reality show where they handpick uh, a director, a, a screenplay. Independent go, director, yeah. writer, writer who haven't had a shot yet and they're giving them their shot and they're getting a movie with actors and stuff like that. And they're setting up the shot, and it's a big hill of uh, grass. They're like, okay, we're going to go. And the director goes, ah, and he rolls down the hill and smashes all the grass. And the crew is like, don't do that again, man, because we have to, now we have to fix that. So I just <laughs> always think about that, like just the just decisions that some directors sometimes make that are just like, man, I know what you're trying to do, but stop. You know, like, you know, and also act like you've been here before. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know that this was shot in the location, the town lo- township location where the movie A Christmas Story was shot. I did read that. Did it even look familiar? Did not at all. Not even yeah. a little bit. No. I, and the blacksmith shop that uh, Jeff Daniels' character is well, works in is actually from a different film as well. They yes. Repurposed the set. And uh, I, you know, I saw the note. I didn't write it down. That's shame on me. I should have written it down. Well, let's talk about the game warden because we did. We talk about him a little bit. Did you? Oh, well, how about this? Bit. Did you like his performance? This is we're talking about we're talking about uh, Jeremy Ratchford. It's it's tough because I think the first time you see him, he kind of stands up for the develop uh, stands up against the development of the wildlife. Right. He wants to protect these animals. His but with his like to the letter of the law, you know, these are the queen's geese or whatever. And because they're in Canada. But. Then he is such a shift of character as soon as he's tossed out where he becomes this villain who's stalking this girl and talking to her all creepy. And I don't think it's his fault that he plays the part like an over-the-top villain, but I think that's how it's written, that yeah. there's a, a character switch. It's just like, I got to be a bad guy now. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's his fault. And I, I think he's very affable, and, and he's like a guy that like seems to want to do the right thing at first, but you'd never keep... It would be more interesting if it stayed that way. Gotcha. And it really doesn't. As soon as he takes out those nail clippers like a psychopath, almost yeah. like a pocket knife, he's get these geese. <laughs> I'm going to clip some. They won't feel it. It's like a switch happens in his head, and it's just like, I don't like that. But it's not his fault. 
were they the writing were they saying that the bird that he grabs that he tries to cut was that supposed to be Igor, and that's why Igor couldn't fly that well? No, Igor was always the oh, kind of wobbly yeah. runt. Gotcha. Speaking of him being a psychopath, that that reminded me of something in the movie. So when the eggs hatch, mm-hmm. that eggs hatching scene, it felt like a horror film. With with the exception of the music, if the music wasn't so lighthearted, because they're close ups and they're like they're all coming out of the eggs, I'm just like, is this a horror movie? <laughs> like like what's happening here? It's Jurassic Park. <laughs> Push, push. <laughs> yeah. Hammond comes out of nowhere. Move, move, move aside, little yeah, lady. I like to be the first thing these things do. You know, Amy, I told you I need to be here. Uh, but I thought it was cool. I really like the fact that they use, for the most part, all real geese. Yeah, they, they're the only common time I, I know there's a combination of CGI and model geese work. I mean, I guess some of the flying ones. I mean, Igor getting hit. That looks stuff really is a bad. combination. Yeah, uh, it doesn't hold up nowadays. Although I mean, the initial hit is is, it, is rough. I actually went ooh yeah. when he got hit, but then when they did like him spinning out and crashing the force, I was like, Ugh, that's that was okay. That's, that's mid nineties CGI. The shot when she's flying and the bird comes right, and he's like, "On your right," and the bird's right there. I was just oh, like, yeah. "That's not real." Like you know, <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do like all the scenes where they're running. I really like. I just, they're cute. They're yeah. they're really cute. cute geese. Yeah, especially when they're little and the ones that like the one that can't keep up when Igor can't keep up. Yeah, you say Igor again. It's Igor. Igor. Why do you say Igor? I don't know because it's a stupid cartoon movie. <laughs> when Igor can't keep up, and he's like, ah. Did you like the uncle David Alden? David Alden, Uncle David. I don't know. He when when they left, they left him in the house with her, and he they're like, I got a creep. I got. I always get a creepy vibe. Like yeah. something's gonna happen. But they're, they're, but also like he's also wakes up. He's in his underwear. Her father runs out of the house in her underwear. I was like. What's going on? A lot of underwear shots here. Why? why? I mean, it's it's not, and I don't say that in terms of like what's happening here. Like it, like I'm saying, like it's just a creep factor. It's just like put some clothes on. I mean, that but it was, he was fine. He was just a goofball. Yeah, I think he his character kind of becomes more serious as the film goes on. Well, but like I think that the the Uncle David who gets drunk and passes out yeah. watching wrestling is not the same Uncle David that helps her with the geese. None of the supporting people have. Any kind of character arc. Oh, Susan is just like there to be, like just one note. I'm not your mother, but I, but I can be your friend. Be friend. And then we're done. We're done with That's Susan. It. And then there's a scene where Susan doesn't want her to fly, and they're flying, and then she's in the weeds by herself, like she's taking a poop or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what is this random shot of her hiding away from everything? <laughs> and then, then the guy that's the. Uh, extreme sports dude who, who oh, hang glides the, the and plays guitar. Seventeen-year-old who's yeah. possibly maybe hitting on. Uh, I, yeah, they, they, and that's and you and I think the reason why we feel that way is because we're giving nothing in the movie for us to be like, no, that's what they're about. Yeah, so we have to make our own inferences. It's just a creepy older teenager hanging out with a thirteen-year-old. Yeah, it's just a little too creepy. As a father, that would uh, my oh, red, my red flag would go up. They're playing guitar and doing the things and yeah. like. The dad's just like watching, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. If I'm on that porch and they're talking to me, I wouldn't even be hearing them. I'd be like, what the hell's going on over yeah. there? You think they're doing, should yeah. I get my 22? Yeah. I'm getting my 22. Ab- I'm getting it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. You need, like, you're right. You needed something else to infer otherwise. I just need, yeah. You, yeah. yeah. If you don't give us anything in the movie, we're just going to make our own assumptions. And then that's when you get all these stupid fan conspiracy theories in other movies. But you also <laughs> get, you also get people thinking the wrong thing. Oh, that's what we did. And you also, you always hear that. From writers and directors down the road from their movies. Yeah, we really didn't do a good job of really setting that up yet. Yeah. No kidding. 
<laughs> Although that we talk about this movie needed to shave 10 minutes, that would have had 10 minutes. But yeah, you're right. You're, yep. You are. I mean, you could have even done like a small thing where. It well, just makes I sense. think that I, I think this is probably it may have added time to it. Like, let's say you trim what you talked about, but then you replaced it with that. It, it would have been it wouldn't have anyway. felt like 107 minutes. You know what I mean? True, because have... when you watch the villain stuff, you're just like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did you like the stuff on the military base when they land on the military base? One of the, my favorite line in the movie is when like, you set two of my men back emotionally. I'm like, what? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was fine. I mean, they would have been shot down, but it was fine. <laughs> I thought it I thought it was a little over the top until he like plays it off as a laugh. Like yeah. they, that was how it was meant to be. When is yelling? Like, like, quit right. playing with them geese. No. Yeah, still feeding them. <laughs> I said I was sorry. I def- I won't do it again. Well, if that's the case. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's probably a nice it's a nice change of pace because a lot of times when you have a military involvement when like something in some of these movies, especially from the eighties, it's always negative. Yeah. And then they got to escape. Yeah. So get the geese again. Yeah, exactly. No, it was fine. I enjoyed it. It's really not much. I except the exception of the pacing and you know what they kept in and kind of lengthening out the movie a little bit. There's really not really anything negative in the film, the game warden stuff. It's just there to like, make him a villain. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff with the developer at the end. Uh, well, that's the, the other thing. Over. They just they just start. Um, well, let's talk about in the beginning of the movie. They start tearing up that land, right before they're even. Supposed Isn't that to his property? Well, that's what he's saying. Yeah, it's so, like you can't start developing yet. Yeah. Uh, how about a lawsuit? I think that's right next to his property. Okay. But the All fact right. that they're developing before the town hall meeting is what's illegal. Right. And then, the but then they got voted down because they're complaining about it when they get home. Right. Uh, and and then yes, the developer in North Carolina, uh, doing the same thing. And I guess he, he's it's almost he's all like, oh well, it's like, dude, you lost a lot of money. I don't know, you're a little, a little flippant about that, a little too much. Like you don't care. I think he cares. He's pretty mad. He's go. He was willing to run over the people, but then which is stupid. Like if no bulldozer guy is gonna be like, yeah, all right, I'm I'm, I'm gonna get arrested. Let me run over this right. guy. Right. And then he he turns it off when she yells, the, she yells on him. It's like really. Yeah, that's what I'm like. This is a kid's movie. Oh, yeah, totally. But it's like one of the only moments where it's like that's only in a kid's movie. Yeah, totally. Did you like Amy's fake nose ring? She tried to. No, I read about tried to piss yeah. off the director. By she was trying to play a prank by getting it. She found it when she was, you know, during their downtime and wore it. And she was like, ah, look, I'm gonna get, I got a nose ring. And he was like, oh, that, I like that. Let's put it in the movie. And she was just <laughs> like, crap. Yeah, she's <laughs> trying to be rebellious. Yeah. Joke's on you. I, it's tough. Being a young actress who you're coming off an Oscar, which she probably doesn't even realize at the time how important that is, right? And you, you, you know, there's expectations that are put on you for your next film or for your future films. That's got to be a heck of a pressure amount of pressure. But maybe it's good that she doesn't. Maybe she didn't realize it back then in terms of like how big the Oscar win was and that kind of stuff. Sure, because I think it gets to your head and stuff like oh, that. Oh, absolutely, but it's. Child actors are tough. It's it's uh, some can handle it, some can't. Their support staff, their support system, their parents around them is probably key to that. Obviously, oh sure, for sure. But did you know that the release of this film was delayed? I read that because there was a small airplane crash with a little girl. So as yeah, well. there was a trans transcontinental flight happening with seven year old Jessica Dubroff and her father and their flight instructor, and they were flying across the country, and I guess it crashed, and they all died, unfortunately. And they, the film had to been pushed back, obviously, because there were similarities. But I had never heard of that back then. I mean, I'm, what, 20, 21 when this came out? Never even heard of that. I mean, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to the news, but never knew that. It's amazing. 
more amazing that I didn't pay attention, I guess. <laughs> How long was it delayed? I don't know. I couldn't find yeah. an original release date. Right. Uh, well, what do you think? This probably was a spring film, right? Maybe. Yeah. Spring, summer. April, May. It's called, they, they Putting it in September. I mean, it's not a terrible film. Putting it in September probably didn't help. No. But it pro- if it was a kid's film initially, it probably it might have been early spring or early summer, late spring for, yeah, for kids. That's what I would yeah, think. and especially it's like a warmer weather film in, in in the film. Even though they do go, they come back at the end of the movie, the credit scene, they're back it's in the winter, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. What did you think about the opening, the car crash stuff? I I, I thought they 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 ramped it up to make it look like it happened fast, right? Uh, but you knew it was coming. You, you as soon as you saw them back and forth, I'm just like, like well, die. now nowadays they always this this is always done now is you always see the car t boning them coming. Yeah, that's, that's what I was waiting yeah, for because because that's almost in every movie now the car crash they always have that. But as soon as you saw the tractor passenger tra- side yeah. seat kind of tilted down, looking up toward the glass, yeah, right. You know the tractor trailer comes and you know clearly they have a civil suit. I guess they didn't want we don't want to dive into that process of the movie, <laughs> but clearly they there was some kind of there was going to be litigious action taken. She's got some money coming her way. Uh, seriously, I mean he yeah that's the other thing. Like he's he's on this huge farm, just making making art and making stuff that he sells. I mean how much money you got? Like like you know like he obviously got some kind of massive amounts of income coming in. Right. Or his family owned the farm to begin. Maybe, with yeah. They never really, and that again, they don't really dive into That's it. It's just family. It, you don't this is what, yeah. I, yeah. This is how it is. She also know. heals up from her car crash wounds pretty quick too. Well, it's, it's. I assume they were in New Zealand for a while. Oh, do you? Okay. Because he was there to see her in the hospital. I doubt she got released right after. So I assumed he was with her for a while in New Zealand, settle, uh, settling Ooh, affairs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. maybe that's where the money came from. All right. Sign <laughs> it over to me. I need, I need to, I need to save my farm. Do you like that refrigerator he made? It's all right. He he reminds me of like a better, more successful version of the dad and gremlins. Like all his stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> but like it comes up and the eggs, I see the eggs and I'm like, those aren't in there. Uh, those aren't in there really securely. They're going to fall. Sideways, yeah. yeah. Who puts eggs like that? Tell them to make you a smokeless ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> smokeless ashtray. <laughs> it comes back with this. All right. Tell everyone where they can find us. Uh, you can find us at ForgottenCinema.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, you can also find us on any of the social medias at Forgotten Cinema or Forgotten Cinema Pod. Uh, join us on the lobby on Forgotten Cinema. Let us know what you think of Fly Away Home if you've seen it. You know, I'm very interested to see if all these uh, film people who talk to us about all these other movies have seen Fly Away Home or would watch it because we're covering it. Uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find us and talk to us. <laughs> join us next week. We're staying in the 90s, 1994. And we're not. Doing another kids film. This is an adult film, everybody. Not the adult. Oh, I didn't think we were doing those kind of movies here. Well, then we're changing it up. (laughs) We're doing (laughs) cinema after. We're doing Danny Boyle's Shallow Grave, starring Ewan McGregor. So uh, you've seen it before, right? Only bits and pieces. Ooh, excellent, excellent. I've always wanted to see it. I do like Train Spotting, but I do remember seeing Shallow Grave and being really impressed with Shallow Grave. Like Train Spotting is a really good film. Mm But it got a lot of hype, and I think Shallow Grave didn't get enough hype. So um, I'm hoping that you like it. I'm hoping that I like it as much as I did back then, because it's been a while. I don't think I've seen it since that time, since Ooh. the 90s. So I'm hoping it holds up for me as well. But so that'll be next we'll week. Never be able to find it. Oh, right. I didn't even look at that. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> well, hopefully we find the movie, we'll watch it, and we can let you know what we thought about it. So that's next week. That'll be Shallow Grave. Uh, I've got nothing else. So I'm Mike Fields. I'm Mike Butler, and this has been Forgotten Cinema.
Quack, 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 quack.